Glory to God. I just decided I'm not even gonna 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 deal with the 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 the, the suit jacket tonight. Glory to God. It's too warm to make a fashion statement. And therefore, I'm not, not into that. Glory to God. And, and I've found that you can be effective without a suit jacket on. Although we, you know, I, I, I do do that to bring honor and glory to God as I minister in his pulpit. Uh, and I believe that there's an importance to that. Amen. But uh, we're not going to be religious about it either. Amen. And, well, that's good. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I, I hope you can deal without me being up here with a, without a suit jacket on. Just be happy that I got a shirt and pants on. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I made it that far, and so we're doing pretty good. I even managed to tie this noose around my neck. Just kidding. Glory to God. It's just a tie. Well, you know, sometimes they feel like a little, like they want to choke you out. But praise the Lord. Are you happy you, you, you came tonight? I sure am happy you came tonight. I miss you all uh, greatly. You know, it's been kind of a whirlwind three weeks. Uh, I can quite honestly say it's been the most intensive three weeks of my life. Glory to God. And regardless of what some people like to say, it was not a vacation. Glory to God. Uh, now, I know that that was said in jest, but, you know, sometimes even things that are said in jest, people don't always pick up on that. And I, I just want you to understand that, uh, you know, it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. Of course, we saw some beautiful things, saw some amazing things. But praise God. I am so, uh, the, one of the greatest things that I've seen was God move. I saw God move in ways. Uh, I, I had faith increased in me. I had endurance increased in me. I saw things, you know, I said this, we, I, I traveled to, uh, I, all in all, I was in five different countries in three weeks. I traveled 13,000 miles. I was on nine airplanes, six buses, no, six trains. Uh, what is it? Nine airplanes, six trains, uh, uh, several buses, uh, three taxi cabs, two cars, and a scooter. I walked a total of 109 miles, praise the Lord, by my... What's that? Oh, and a boat. Glory to God. And so I, I, I pretty much, by land, by sea, by air, praise the Lord, I, I, I was going to get there. Uh, you know, I, I didn't ride a donkey, so we didn't get that far or anything like that, but... I was within I was within shouting distance of the Russian border. Glory to God! I crossed the Arctic Circle and then came back again. And I I, I uh, went north, went south, went east, went west. We were just kind of all over the place, uh, doing things. But man, I, I learned a lot, and I'm so thankful for for what God has shown me. Amen. And 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 God willing, we'll get into some of that tonight. But I do have a message for you. Um, that was probably born out of all all this stuff that I picked up. And I believe you know the one thing I know. About impartation is whatever we do we receive impartation you, you know you can spend time with friends and receive impartation sometimes it's not good you can spend time with family and receive impartation sometimes that's not good I've learned learned that over the years especially different holidays when you when you're forced around family maybe that doesn't believe in the Lord and stuff and sometimes you can leave and feel imparted amen and feel imparted too but uh, uh, one of the things I know is that uh, God's impartation the, the, it's not something that we just expect that we uh, that it just, you know, it, it might pour into us, but it doesn't all, all going to come out of us all at once. But it does take some time sometimes. Praise the Lord. Joel, can I minister to you, brother? I don't know why. I just see, see you sitting there, and I knew I was probably going to lay hands on people tonight anyways. But I just, I don't know what it is. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. Father, I just impart that to him now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. You're so worthy. Father, we praise you. 
I'm not even going to pretend to know what that is because I don't, praise God, but I believe that Joel just received something. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for what, yeah. I'm so thankful, Lord, for that. You know, we, uh, we traveled about, we ministered to different people. Um, uh, it, it was a real interesting trip, and, and, and I learned a lot about a lot of things. Amen. But tonight's message is, uh, is going to, uh, um, uh, I don't know, we'll probably touch on that stuff tonight. We'll just see where it goes. Amen. Tonight's message is called Getting Into What God Has. And one of the things that I learned the most, I think, about when I was gone was, was I, I learned about, um, well, one, I learned about trusting God. But I learned even more about following his spirit. I learned about how God, you know, how God will teach us in the small things. and How he wants to, to, to get things uh, uh, over to us. God's greatest desire is that we have an understanding of not just who he is, but what he wants us to do in all things. He, he, wants us to, he, he wants us to learn to, to flow with His Spirit so much so that if He just brushes across us that we can, that, that we can know to go in a certain direction or, you know. Um, you know, there's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's horses, and, and Allison could probably correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, uh, uh, a horse uh, jockey or the person who, who's steering the horse, I don't know what they call them, but they, they have a, sometimes a little stick or like a little whip uh, almost, but uh, you know, they, they, they don't always, they don't have to just beat the horse with it to get them to do what they want. Maybe in the beginning they do, I don't know, but I've, I've seen these uh, uh, before, even like with spurs and stuff, cowboys with spurs, and it's the same kind of thing. They just kind of tap the horse on the side. Am I right in saying this somewhat? That they, that they don't have to dig those spurs into the horse, you know, they don't have to whip them really hard to do it, but they just tap them on one side or the other, and they, the, the horse knows what to do, and, and you know, that's a, that's a horse that's well-trained, right? Right? How many know that a wild horse doesn't do that? Right. A wild horse needs to be what they call broke, right? Is that the word? They, yeah, yeah. So a wild horse needs to... See, I know a little bit about horses, even though I didn't think I did. But, but a wild horse needs to be broke. And, and, and really, uh, as believers, this is what we need too. You know, when we come into the body of Christ, we come in with all our carnality, with our lives, with who we are, with you know, our personalities, with all the things that make us us. Um, but we come to this place, this, this place of realization that we are, we're lost or, or, or that we need a Savior. And then we're told that we have a Savior and so we receive and partake of that. But a lot of times we stay, we, we stay unbroke. We, we might be broken, but we stay unbroke. In other words, God wants to do things in us. He has a desire to move among us and, and do things. And this is why it's just so sad when churches... You know, or people in churches, in, in religions, they become stale and they just, you know, year after year and they just do the same thing. They just go to church because it's what they do and they, you know, they have the service just like this and at this time they're going to have this hymn and at this time they're going to have this scripture reading and the preacher's going to preach for just 15 minutes or just a half hour or just 45 minutes and then, and then when he or she is done and that's, that's it, then we'll go home and, and have lunch or do whatever we're going to do. But how many know that God wants to, he wants us to be fluid. Yeah. Amen. I'm not talking gender fluid. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm not talking about our gender here. I'm not talking about things that we shouldn't just think that we can, we can change. But I'm talking about he wants us to be fluid in our, our actions as far as, he, as far as he goes. He wants us to be, to, to be so smooth with him that if he just brushes us on one side, we go right. If he just brushes us on the other, he go, we go left. Amen? And we can actually grow to a point where, where, where God will, he will lead us into things and he will lead us out of things. But we'll always be under his protection. We'll always be under his blessing. We'll always be in a place where we're ready to receive what he has us to receive. And you know, one of the things that I started learning a lot this, uh, in these, these few weeks is, uh, is, is something that God does with all of us and desires to do with all of us. Regardless of where we're at, he wants to bring us to a point where we can see those things in our own lives that we misunderstand. You know, part of the, 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 the process of being churched, of what God meant church to be, is, is to weed through those things that have uh, the, the hold on us, that keep us from that fluid motion with God that keep us with, from that flowing with God. Because a Christian shouldn't live their lives from one trial to the next. The, the, the Christian should live their lives always sailing above the trial. Always going through the trial. Always knowing that there's another side. You know, I'm always impressed with airplane pilots when they fly, especially when we're, when we're coming back. We flew from JFK in New York City to Buffalo, and we threw, flew through a lot of storm clouds. And, and it got pretty rough coming back. But you know, those pilots, they just do their thing. They just get into it. They know what they're doing. They're trained, and they, they just fly through that. Now, if you're, if you're new on a plane, you might get a little bit scared when you see something like that. But the thing that I've learned is to always watch the stewardesses and the pilots and hear them talk and stuff like that. Because when you do that, you, under, you can understand a different point of view. You can understand that there's no reason to be afraid because, uh, because they do this all the time. They know what to expect, and you know, and, and, and it's really quite interesting we, we, when you do that. But God, is, it, it, it means the same thing for our lives. There'll be times where, 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 where the devil will try to shake your plane. There'll be times where he'll try to get you, you know, stirred in your emotions. But God wants us to be like those pilots, amen? Now, a pilot's flying for somebody else, aren't they? A pilot's not flying for their own life. They're not fly flying for their own sake. They're, they're flying you around, but they work for a company. In quite the same way, we're flying this thing, this thing called life. We're flying it under the, un under the, the, the company that God has created. It's called Christianity. Yeah. And God has given us such things that we would fly, uh, that, that we would go through life at a good cruising altitude, glory to God, where we're going to get the best uh, tailwind, you know, because the tailwind thrusts you faster. And we're going to get the best lift. Praise the Lord. And if we need to go higher, he'll direct us to go higher to avoid certain storms. And if he needs us to go lower to avoid them, he'll have us go lower. You know, but that's exactly what God is trying to do in our lives. And, and, and I hope this is okay. Uh, I, I certainly wasn't planning any of this. And I think I'm going to get into my message at some point. But, uh, you know, I just, I just see this. Like God has such a desire for us to be, to be flowing with him. And really what I started learning is, it's just, it's, you know, it's just not enough to, to pray a certain amount. 
It's not enough to read your Bible a certain amount or go to church a certain amount or, or to just do whatever a certain amount. It, what God desires of us is that we live a life that, that is directed at him. That we live a life where we're in communion with him. That, that when we pray, we're just always praying to him. And that we're, that, that we're at any point in time, we're open to doing that. See, God isn't waiting for a certain time of the day for you to pray and to seek him. He, he wants you to reach out to him right where you're at, whenever you're at, whenever the inspiration there, whenever you want to talk to him. And he wants you to talk to him often. That prayer doesn't have to be this thing where you, you know, and, and thank God for prayer closets. I'm not coming against those, but you don't need a prayer closet when you go with God. Yeah. One of the things that I learned about missionaries this week or these last few weeks is they don't have the privilege of having a prayer closet. Right. Sometimes they don't have the privilege of having a bed. Sometimes they don't have a privilege of, of having a place to stay. But the, the, point that, the point is is that they can always be with God. And I believe with all my heart that God doesn't just have that laid up for missionaries because he commanded everybody to go into the world. He commanded everybody to live this life uh, in, in faith towards him. And you know what he didn't distinguish? He didn't distinguish between the, light, the, the faith walk of a pastor and the faith walk of a missionary and the faith walk of a prophet and the faith walk of the one who cleans the toilets or the one who vacuums the floor or the one who ushers or the one who does whatever they do for the body of Christ. God didn't say that my just one who is a pastor will live like this kind of faith and that my just one who is a mother uh, uh, will live this kind of faith and my just one who takes up the offering or plays the guitar will live this kind of faith but he said my just one shall live by their faith right. amen, amen. And, the, and the faith that they're living in is not their faith in themselves but the faith that they hold towards God the trust that they hold towards God when they look at life they look at it through a God lens amen and so what we need to do as Christians is we need to start living our lives I said we have to start living our lives because I, I put before you and I found this in myself that I don't know how much of my life I've truly been living in faith in God in trust in God and I know that might sound funny to you, but it, it, it's so easy to get into our flow, isn't it? It's so easy to get into our day and forget that we serve a supernatural God. It's so easy to get into the things that we do, go to work and go to the store and, 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 and fill up the gas tank and empty the gas tank and do all the things that we do. You know, we do this in the springtime and in the summertime we do this and in the fall we're going to do this. But God wants us to live in true faith with him at all times. And we're not called to live in faith part of the time. We're called to live in faith all the time. And the only way we're going to live in true faith, I said true faith. Everybody say true faith with me. The only way we're going to live in the true faith is if we have a relationship with him. And a relationship with God is not something that you get to pick up once in a while when you feel like it. But a relationship with God is something that is a daily exercise. It's a daily practice. It's something that no matter where you're at, you know, one of the things that the Lord has done, you know, there's important people in my life. You have any important people in your life? Amen. There's important people in my life. And you know what the Lord has done many times with me? He has separated me from those people to show me something. Now, when I say separated me, obviously I haven't left my wife yet. Praise the Lord. My wife is so incredibly important to me. I'm not going to walk away from her. But there are times where I'm separated from her. And that's a big deal for me. I'm not one who, who likes to have time separate from my spouse. I just don't like that. It's not, that's not my flow. It's not my thing. Uh, if, even if I'm hanging out with you, I'd rather be with her. 
Praise the Lord. That's just the way that it is. But, you know, uh, uh, but there's times where God has separated me from her for a time to remind me of something. There's times where he separates me from the, my, my leadership. Sometimes you're going to be separated from your, your pastor. And what, I, what I mean by this is I, I don't mean that you neglect the things that you're supposed to be connected to. But there's times where, 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 where you normally go for your answer, where you normally go for your help, you're not going to have that option. Because God doesn't want your relationship to Christianity, your relationship to your faith to be based around the relationships that you have around you as much as he wants it based on your relationship with him. In fact, all these relationships aren't going to mean anything. They're not going to, be, they're not going to have uh, any power to them. There's not going to be any substance to them if that relationship isn't first in order. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, this is just the introduction, amen? We still haven't got to any scripture yet, although I've, I've kind of quoted some scriptures and, and we've seen that. But why don't we go ahead and get into some scripture? We're going to turn to Matthew 5, amen? But I'm so thankful for the unction. You know, when we got to Spain, by the time we got to Spain, it, I had been about two weeks into this, and, and really, the only way I can say is a whirlwind trip. There was moments where I, I, I literally was just like, my head was spinning, you know, from the moment I touched down, I, I, I had this plan, this great plan. You know, my flight overseas was, was through the night, and I had this great idea that I would sleep on the plane. And I don't know why I had that idea, because I can't ever, I never have an easy time sleeping on a plane, for whatever reason. I just hate, I, I just, I'm uncomfortable. It's never quite, you know, I'm always kind of tossing and turning. It's like sleeping on a bus. I can't do that either. I found that out. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I was doing this on, 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 on a lot of things on sleep, you know, then the six-hour time change, and then at one point a seven-hour time change, and it was just all, you know, everything was turned upside down, and, and I was, like I said, it was going, 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 you know, on my feet a lot, and, and walking, and, and just trying to be sensitive, and so there, there, there was a lot of things that, uh, you, you know, were, were working on me, but uh, 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 where was I going with this? Do you remember where I was going? Oh, yeah. It was two weeks in by the time I got to Spain. Thank you. That helps me. Uh, praise the Lord. Put me right back on track. See, that's why I like her around. Amen. She keeps me on track. Hallelujah. But uh, by two weeks by the time we got to Spain and, and we were going to minister, and we, I was going to have to minister. And I remember, uh, you know, it had been a couple of weeks since I had ministered. So uh, believe it or not, that, that, that at least for me, that, that there's an effect to that. Because I haven't, you know, stood in a pulpit and I haven't, you know, you almost think, man, do I, you know, am I still going to be able to do it? And of course, then I was ministering in a completely different way than I ever have before. Usually I preach by inspiration. I can go at my own speed. If I want to slow it down, I can slow it down. If I want to speed it up, I can speed it up. And the only, buddy I, the only one I ever get distracted by is myself. And so as long as I can keep myself out of it, I generally do pretty decent with that, amen? But with an interpreter, they're interrupting you every, every sentence because they got to repeat what you said in the language that you didn't say it in, amen? <laughs> Glory to God. And, and, and so, so that was an interesting flow to learn and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I'm putting all these things, cramming all these things in me, and, and I believe that uh, you're getting some of that here tonight, amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so uh, certainly there was things... Um, that, that were, uh, yeah, there's things that will bless us. Amen. Uh, uh, Matthew 5, 6. Of course, we know this, read this before. We're going to read it again. I get, guarantee you that at some point in the coming future, I'll probably go to the scripture again. But it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Amen? Amen. The ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you know that whatever you're hungry and thirsty for, you will probably find a way to satisfy that urge. That's, you know, the Lord was kind of showing me that this afternoon, that, that no matter what you hunger and thirst for, you will find a way of satisfying that. There's a lot of people that are living their lives fully for themselves, fully in sin, not caring about God or people or anything else, or just doing their own thing, and they're satisfied. And what I mean by satisfied is they, they, they you know, that, that feeling when you're satisfied, you know, like if you, uh, if you have hunger pains and you go to McDonald's, you will be satisfied even though it's not satisfaction, uh, even though the satisfaction may not be enjoyable. You know, that fullness uh, that you'll feel, you'll, you're, you're, that fullness will be satisfied or that hunger will be satisfied. But it's not necessarily going to bless you, is it? No. Praise the Lord. And so is the way that when, when, when we live for God, um, or if we're going to live for God, we need to live in such a way that we hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we get satisfied with righteousness. There are too many people who hunger and thirst for their own desire. And one of the things that I've learned, and this is cross-cultural, it doesn't matter if there's an abundance or not, that people hunger and thirst for their own desires above most other things. So much so that we have an entire world, not just a society anymore, but we have an entire world that is driven by individual hunger, individual desire. And I'm going to put before you that this is a reason why we see a lot of the things we're seeing today. The reason that Satan can increase his attack in the last days is because where the hunger and thirst is of the faithful, of the righteous. The ones who are called by God's name. The ones who are supposed to be his people. The ones that are supposed to have the relationship with him. The ones who are supposed to be the salt and the light. The ones who are the city that can't be hid. The, uh, the city on the hill that can't be hid. The ones who are the shining example of God's glory here on the earth. <coughs> are so often just full of themselves. Their desire constantly takes over. To the point where when they think sometimes that they're doing good, they're still fulfilling their desire. I saw parts of my own life in these last few weeks where I thought I was doing pretty good and I realized how much my desire still had to, uh, had part of that yeah. control of me. You know, Reverend Rich said something. He was quoting someone else that was a, a real blessing to me. But I want to I repeat it just because it was, it was something that, that, that I, I found very interesting and I think is very truth, very much true scripturally. And that's that God isn't, God isn't desiring to use you, basically. God, God doesn't want to, uh, he, he, he doesn't want to utilize you. But if you present him with an empty vessel, he will make use of that. God doesn't, you know, he doesn't need your talents. It's not what he's looking for. He's not looking for you to, to, to overcome, to, to be the, you know, we have to overcome for us, but, but, but he, he isn't looking for you to be something. He wants you to be empty so he can fill it. God isn't desiring to have a, a half-used, half you know, the, the Bible tells us that, that you don't put new wine into old wineskins. 
And yet a lot of people are thinking that the new wine of the Holy Spirit should come into this, this old flesh. And the reason why the Bible tells us that you don't put, Jesus said you don't put new wine into new wineskins is because new wine stretches the wineskin. But if it's an old wineskin and you put new wine into it, it's going to break, crack, and it's not going to be much use. And the same thing is with us. When we present God with our, you know, with ourselves, uh, you, you know, we present him with all of, uh, you know, and I'm not saying presenting him with us, but not allowing him or, or ridding ourselves of us before we present that to him. And that's what the new wineskin would be, it would be the empty, unused thing. The portion of it saying, no, no, God, you do with it what you want to do with it. You use me how you want to. Amen. I, 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 I started praying a little bit differently. And I want to share uh, part of that prayer with you. I prayed, Lord, help me to walk daily in those things which you have prepared for me. And to think right about who you place in my path. But you know, this prayer is a prayer, it's a prayer of consecration, but it's not, this isn't just, this isn't just something you can just say. This isn't a confession that sounds great, but this is something that you have to mean. You have to come to God with this, this desire to be, Lord, uh, I need to be empty of who I am and be filled with who you are. When you have that realization that you are no good, full of who you are. Now listen, I, I'm not caught telling you to, to feel bad about yourself. This isn't a message to say, you know, look at yourself and say, oh, you're, you're a terrible person. Listen, we all know that we're terrible people. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good but God. He wasn't, you know, you, you know like there, there's people I look around and I see some pretty decent people in here. I, I, I love all of you. I would spend time with any of you I, with, without hesitation. Uh, I, I think you're all great people, but by, by God's standard of what good is, none of us measure up to that. And if we want his standard of goodness in our life, if we want his standard of blessing in our lives, if we want to do his standard of, of outreach and his standard of winning the lost and, and his standard of overcoming, if we want God's standard in our lives, we are not going to be able to get there by utilizing our standard. We're not going to be able to present to him old wineskins and say, Lord, now fill us with the new wine. Fill us with the, the fresh stuff. Fill us with the stuff that is the best of the best. You can't do that. The way that I started seeing it, and I, I wrote a lot of different things down over the week, I would, or the, over these weeks, I would put like, you know, these different uh, phrases that would come to me and, 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 and at different times. And one of the things that I, I didn't know, maybe I'll preach on it, maybe I'm just going to preach on it tonight, but this, this idea of layers that we're, we're layered, we're multiple layers to us, amen? We see ourselves as, as whatever we see ourselves as, but I, I, what I started seeing about layers is that God, uh, you know, we think the layers are all good, but God comes in and he, he starts kind of fine-tuning those and chiseling off layers because he wants to get to the flesh. He wants to get to the things that are good, the, thing, the meat of the, 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 the be, our being, amen? But uh, he can only get us there by, by taking time and methodically removing these layers that we have built up over time. Amen? Praise the Lord. It has to be more than a saying when we consecrate ourselves before the Lord, when we come to him and say, God, use me. It has to be more than something we say. 
but we come to him with, with expectation that that's exactly what he'll do. We, have to, we should come to God not just with expectation, but with, with, with expectation on our lips. Lord, I know that there's things about me that I can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Because guess what? There's things about you you don't know. There's things about, but you know, it was said to me like this, and, and, and I believe it because it's true, you know, that, the, that God's a perfect gentleman. He's not just going to come in and say, you know, uh, I, I want you to do all of this. He wants you to ask him, Lord, show me in my life if there's any evil way in me. Yeah. Show me in, the, in my life which ways don't please you. And then be open for him to show you. And then when he, when he presents these things to you, say, Lord, I, I recognize that that's not good. Instead of trying to cover it up and making, making light of it or, or, or kind of justifying what we do is wrong, but allowing God to really come in and do something. See, we all want revival. We talk about revival. We all want change. We talk about change. We want the blessing of God. We want the outpouring of the Spirit. We want all these magnificent things, but we keep asking God to do it in old wineskins, we keep asking God to do it in vessels that aren't worth his presence. And God knows that your vessel isn't worth his presence. But that's why he gave us Jesus, to bring us to that place where we could be regenerated, where we could be renewed. But we can't stay where we are. We can't be who we were. We have to allow God to come in and saturate us and make us new. To make us pliable, moldable. But we don't do that by fighting him. And we can't do that without a relationship with him. I found that a Christian walk is not something that you can do on Saturdays and Sundays. And a few times throughout the week. That a Christian walk has to be integrated into every area of our life. When we go to work, we are Christians. When we, when we feed our children, we are Christians. When we're wiping our children's rear ends, we are Christians. Glory to God. When we are cleaning up messes, we are Christians. When we don't feel good, we are Christians. When we feel great, we are Christians. When we're on vacation, we're Christians. When we're not on vacation, we're Christians. It's a lifestyle. It's what we're supposed to embrace. And we look at the work. See, this is why. Because what we do is we look at what Christianity is and what Christianity costs, costs us. Yeah, yeah. And we weigh that against, well, how much do I have to offer today? Wow. Instead of looking at God and saying, Lord, make me new. Yeah. Truly make me new. Wow. I've learned that our ideas are just ideas. A lot of times that we have, and sometimes God will do things with those ideas. Sometimes those are God-ordained, but then sometimes our ideas get in there. And again, this shouldn't make us sad, but this, this is a realization that, Lord, there's so much more that we're not seeing. And the reason I'm just telling you that we're not seeing it is because of what we won't see. Yeah. One of the messages that I had prepared for you was about what we won't see. And I guess I'm preaching it here tonight again. You know, that's the way that the Lord will bring things out. There'll be things in the Spirit. I learned things about myself. I learned things about my ministry. I learned things about the way God works in me that I never knew before. There was a time when I went, we were, we were, we were going, when we were ministering, we were in Spain and we were going to minister. And, and I was ministering in the evening. 
And as it was, there was this, like, all day long, and we went into the, you know, we, had, we went to the town a little bit early in the day, and, you know, uh, just, we, 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 they were showing us some things and stuff like that, but all day long, it was like, I, I described it like this, it was like tentacles that were coming out of me. I felt, and I felt God's spirit, my spirit reaching out just to, to things throughout the day, and people throughout the day, and I was in this attitude of prayer kind of throughout the day, and, and even my wife and, and, and the people that we were with said they could tell I was a little bit distracted that day that I wasn't you know I even get when we got to lunch I said to them I was like just order something I don't really even care what it is and if you know me that's a, a pretty big statement because I, I always care what I eat amen and, and, and so but I just said just order something and I'll eat I just didn't even want to I didn't even want to distract myself by making a, a, a you know, a decision like that. But the reason that I say this is God was teaching me things about me and the way his spirit flows through me. And he was like trying to show me that that he wants me in this, this realm of this placement. And that this isn't just for me. He wants me in this place that, that no matter what I'm doing, that I can walk around and do things completely in the natural. Maybe I'm mowing the lawn, but I, my spirit is reaching out to him and he's reaching to my spirit and the same goes for you as well we need to just but see this is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness amen and this is what it is to preach a message a whole entire hour on one scripture amen praise the lord but this is what god desires from us he wants to infiltrate our lives he wants to take over he wants to move in he wants to take up residence in us and for too long his church has been pushing him aside and saying no nah, not your will, but mine be done, Lord. They're saying, Lord, I, I want to be a Christian, but I want all this. And you really, we just have to get to a place where all of this doesn't matter because we're only here for a reason. Now, that doesn't mean, and I'm going to help you with something right now, unless you think that I'm preaching a, a message that is completely against anything I've preached before. But God wants us blessed. But he doesn't want it to be our focus. He'll bless us. He, you know what we do when we try? I was like, okay, I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want God to bless me with and how I want him to do it. We kind of say, God, you, you, you don't really know what you're doing. I think I, I think I know how to bless me the most. <laughs> when you focus on your stuff, that's what you're doing. Right. It doesn't mean you can't like something or look at something. You know, my wife, my wife and my daughter, and when they met up with us, we were walking through in different places, and, you know, Ezra's seeing all these things for the first time, and she's just really excited about them, you know, and then there's stores, and of course, and, you know, girls uh, like to shop, you know, they like to see, go in and look at things and stuff like that, and she's seeing all kinds of things, and I turned to her and I said, Ezra, I just want you to know that everything you're seeing now, and all this blessing that you're feeling, you remember that this it's because we serve God. And that although God doesn't mind if you partake, take of stuff, I'm just going to tell you as the father of a daughter, I want to bless that girl as much as I can. I want to bless her more than I can. I think about ways of blessing her, and when I've blessed her too much, I want to bless her again. And guess what? That doesn't sit any less for my boys either, or my wife, or my mother, or anybody else that I love. I want to be a blessing to them, and I want to continually pour out in them. In fact, I find myself all the time being so inadequate for my ability to bless that I have to turn to God and say, Lord, help me be a blessing to them, amen? That's the way our Father looks at us as well. But just like I said to my daughter, remember that it's not about all this stuff. It's not about what we get to see. It's not about that life. It's about serving Him. 
you know, and God doesn't mind as we walk out this life. And see, this is where we're missing it because we've, we're, we've, we've spent so much time chasing the blessing, chasing the answer to the questions that we have or the fix to the problem that we have that we forget all about the one who fixes the problems. And he doesn't need our help to do it. He doesn't need our help to make our lives great. He doesn't need your help. He needs an empty vessel. He doesn't need you and your input on, on, on how to do the best job you can for him. He needs the empty vessel. He needs you to present it to him. Say, Lord, you, do, do with it what you will. I don't need me anymore. And see, when we're chasing desires, that's exactly what we're doing. Again, I'm not, I don't want to separate this because we, we have to have an understanding. For too long, religion has removed the blessing of God from us. God doesn't want you healed. God doesn't want you full. God doesn't want you taken care of. God wants you to suffer because that's the will of God. You know, Jesus, that's what, no, see, they twist scriptures to make it sound really good for religion and to make it real easy on priests or pastors or whatever to be able to look at people who are hurting and say, you know what, instead of dealing with this the way that God wants, wants us to deal with it I'll just say that it's in God's will and make you feel better about it and that's how so many Christians live God doesn't want us just barely squeaking by he wants us living in the presence of heaven wasn't it Jesus who said on earth as it is in heaven well what on earth does that mean it means nothing on earth it means in heaven See, we're looking at earth and trying to make it heaven. God says, look at heaven and I'll make your earth look like this. That's what he wants. Now, that doesn't mean that the fullness of God and the blessing of, of the fullness of what God has for us will be experienced here. Certainly, it will not be. There's not, there are things that we will experience in eternity that we could never have here because of sin. Sin will always be a factor in the opposition to what God has for us. There will always be the, that, that factor. But we don't need to embrace this, uh, the, the, that, uh, and just, just live like, you know, broken and defeated all the time. It seems as though we've forgotten the words of the Lord himself when he said, with faith, all things are possible. That nothing, if you can believe that nothing will be impossible to you. It seems that we've forgotten that. But see, we've, what we've done is we've, we, we, we've, made, we've cheapened that. Because Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom in that moment. But what we've taken that and said, okay, with the faith all things are possible. And so I want a new car. I want something better than what I want. I'm going to use my faith for a nice outfit. Instead of just, Lord, I know you want to provide for me. Yeah. Provide it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't go before him and say, you know what, Lord? I would really like this particular thing. Yeah. Just like I don't mind when my kids come to me and say, Dad, I would really love this from you. In fact, I'll tell you, my kids don't come to me enough and ask me for the things that I wish that I could give them. Amen? You know, but, but that's the way, God doesn't mind that we come to him and say, Lord, this would mean something to me to have this. He says, just don't let it be your focus. Yeah. You, know where, you, know, you know how you live in the, the, the peace of God? You recognize that God is your peace. Yeah. 
The reason that so many Christians don't live in peace is because they haven't recognized who their peace is yet. They haven't recognized that, that they've been given the spirit of peace on the inside of them when they received the things that Jesus did. And when he gave it to us free, we didn't have to earn it. You just have to take it. But see, Christians have disconnected this in their mind. I don't feel peace. It doesn't matter if you feel it. That's not who you have living in you, unless you don't believe that the one who lives in you is the God of peace. But he himself called himself Jehovah Shalom which means the God of peace. He himself called himself that. And what did he say? He said, you call me that too. Receive from him. How do we receive from him? It's, it's, it's so simple. Jesus said, have faith. How do we receive it? We have it. That's what I preached in Spain. I taught them all about having faith. You know, God showed it to me like this. It's like a menu. We go to a restaurant. We look at a menu. We all know how to do this. We go to a restaurant, we look at a menu, and sometimes we're indecisive, aren't we? But rest assured, before we leave that restaurant, we are going to decide something on that menu that we want. Well, the Lord showed me that this is a menu that we just go to it and receive off of it. You know, isn't it annoying when the waitress says to you, when you've asked for the salmon, I'm sorry, we don't have any more salmon tonight. Or when the waitress says to you, we, we had these specials, but one of them was real popular, and so you don't get that one because it's gone. Do you know God never says that about his word? He said, as many as will believe, they have the right to become the sons and daughters of God. He said, no, he's, he said as many as will believe, nothing will be impossible to them. Now again, does that mean, well, well, we have to focus all this on intense problems in our life? That's not what it's about. If you live a life after God, if you live a life of righteousness, if, you, if, that's, if what you hunger and thirst for is beyond the natural, he fills you with beyond the natural. And since all the natural came from beyond the natural, Guess what happens when we focus on him? You see, I didn't realize this, but as I was putting this, this, this message together, all these other scriptures that I have to give you were more for my peace of mind than they were for anything. Because there's nothing in this message that I would take back if we have to spend an hour, two hours, or two weeks, or two years on one scripture. Then let's spend it there until we get it. Let's understand what it means to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. When, we, when, 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 when you start fall, finding yourself getting wrapped up in the daily grind, you know, the, the thing that, that, that you, you know, you, you all know what the presence of God is like, right? Those moments where, where you've had those moments with God when you're like, man, this is good. This is where I want to be. We all know that, right? Is there any of us in here who don't know that? If there is, then, then maybe we need to help you get there. But, but I believe that we've all probably had that or we wouldn't sit here time and time again. Or even if we haven't, and we keep sitting here, we're maybe at least sitting here because we have that hope or that expectation. Well, let's not get distracted by the grind, by the daily whatever that pulls us away from that goodness. Let's hunger and thirst for him. We keep our attention and our hearts towards him. Amen? Do you know that as I've preached this message, 
I've only feel, feel, felt myself being filled up. Because at least in this moment right now, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for the things of God. I'm hungry and thirsty for who he is because I'm done with me. I've had enough of me. You know, it's me, the one that I wake up with when I don't feel uh, really particularly good about the day. It's me that I'm dealing with. When, when, when I'm struggling, when somebody, when somebody has really teed me off, when they have really said something that I didn't like or something that I didn't think was beneficial to me, you know what I'm dealing with there? I'm dealing with me. That's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with my offense or my feelings or my this or my that. But you know what God says? He says, just, just, just drop all the you for a minute. Empty yourself of that and hunger and thirst for me. Because when you hunger and thirst for God, he fills you with him. Why? The Bible says so. See, the step of faith, the first step of faith is to look at the word and say, the, the word is true, not what I feel. The word is true, not what I think. The word is true, not what others say. Not what, it doesn't matter whatever anyone else says. When I can see it in the word as truth, and he's the one. Jesus is the one. Listen, it's all on him. The filling. You, haven't, you, even, you don't even have to fill yourself. This is what the great thing is. Like you say, well, how am I going to get there? I don't know. It doesn't matter because you don't do it. You don't do it. He has promised. He said you just hunger and thirst for it. Now, we had uh, planted uh, a few plants, not a garden. We can't even call it a garden. They show, maybe next year we're going to get into a garden. But we had planted a few plants. And we had uh, had somebody watch over them while we were gone and come and water them. And uh, this one plant, which was kind of off by itself and kind of hidden a little bit, they didn't see it. And we didn't specifically say, you know, this plant, that plant, and this plant. We just said water the plants. And, and so when we got back, it was pretty dried and wilted, amen, because it wasn't filled up. But see, when you hunger and thirst for God, he, do, he always does the filling. He doesn't forget to do it. When, when, when you, see, the problem is, is when we get into a place of trial, when we get into a place of opposition, what we do is we turn from the one who feeds us and we, we focus inwardly at that. And we couldn't do anything about it anyways. See, the, 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 the issue, the things that we have to do, the, the, the blessing, the curse, all of the stuff is always bigger than what we are and who we are. It's always beyond us. God will never be satisfied giving you things to do that you can do. I said God will never be satisfied giving you things to do that you can do. He only gives us things that are impossible. And if he's not giving you things that are impossible, it's because he knows you're too much of a baby to receive that yet. But what I've been starting to learn is that when he gives me the impossible, he's also got to make the way. And he doesn't have to do it because this is my idea. He's got to do it because he said so. And if he said so and he doesn't do it, then he's a liar. And I don't think God's a liar. I don't think Jesus lied to us. There's something about his character and his nature that says, you know what, he didn't lie to me, and I don't think he would lie to me now. It doesn't mean that everything around me is always going to look perfect. Nowhere does the Bible ever claim that. In fact, Jesus even said that. He said, he, he said in the world you'll have tribulation, be a good chair of overcome the world. What's he saying? He's like, don't worry about it. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be things against you. 
sometimes what you need to do is preach yourself out of that. And what I mean by that is this, you've got to go to the Word and start looking at the Word and what it says and start speaking the Word over your situation. See, I thought I was in faith in a lot of things, and I realized in the last three weeks I wasn't. It's something that I, was, I, I come face to face with. The fact that where I thought I was in faith, I've been preaching about faith over and over and over again, thinking like, boy, I'm really getting something good to those people. I'm really helping those people, teaching them all about faith. And you know what God was doing the whole time is trying to get something over to me. To us all. Absolutely. Because we're all in the same boat. Some of us are just on the left side. Some of us are on the right side. And you might not know what that means. You could ask me later, but that's a kind of a little inside thing. Amen. Praise the Lord, but I would share it with you. Glory to God. Uh, but at any rate, you know, uh, <clears throat> we, we have to get to this place where we embrace what God is doing in our lives, what he wants to do in our lives, and like get ready to hold on. You know, if you've ever been on a roller coaster, I, I'm, I'm like a really bipolar roller coaster rider. Bipolar roller coaster rider. That's a, that's a mouthful, amen? And what I mean by that is this. Like, <clears throat> I always love riding roller coasters. I always hate getting on them. Every single time. Now, I got this one roller coaster that I absolutely love, but I'll be a little bit honest with you. Every time I walk up to it for the first time of the year, I mean, it's my favorite ride. When I'm on it, I scream like a little girl, and I'm doing it in joy. I'm so full. I just love it. It's just like such a, a wild ride, and I love it all the way to the end. Amen? But every time I walk up to it, I walk up to it nervous, a little bit fear. And honestly, I come to the pulpit that way, too. There's always a little bit in me that's because it's like, man, you know, I, I, this, there's part of me in all this, and, and I don't trust me, you know, and so, and, and so I, I know that I'm coming to the pulpit with me. In fact, most of the time I'm coming to the pulpit, I'm reminding myself that, that, that it's God that does it in me, not me, and so I have to yield myself to him, and that's why I pray that ahead of time. I don't pray that for your sake. I pray it for my own sake. Lord, I yield myself to you, and even if I don't, I'm trying to. So help me with that even, amen? But the reason I brought up roller coasters, being a, bi a bipolar roller coaster rider, is because there's a place on some roller coasters. Now, there's this one out in uh, Darien Lake called, it used to be called the Superman. I don't know what they call it now. They called it the Ride of Steel. They call it a bunch of different things. And it's got this enormous hill, this first hill, and then a couple good ones after that. A couple, like, little spinny things. But then towards the end of it, it's just kind of like, you're just riding at home. You know what I mean? You just, <clears throat> you get on this ride and it's like, man, that, that first hill, it's like, it's intense and it's awesome. And then the second hill, it's intense and it's awesome. A couple of spinning parts and it's intense and awesome. But at the end of the ride, it always kind of gets like that. You know, it just kind of, but, but, but see, we, we got to get on, you know, nobody likes the, nobody likes that. They don't, they don't get on those rides for that last leg of it. That last leg of it is just letting you know you're coming back to reality and it can't all be fun, amen? Yeah. <clears throat> but you know, the reason I bring that up is because I kind of saw that in, in sometime in these last few weeks. That's maybe how we need to start looking at this life a little bit more. Like, you know, we're going to have those hills. We're going to have those times where it's pretty intense, right? But you can, do, you can do that one of a few ways. You can close your eyes and just be scared and pass out. 
or, or you could scream like a little girl, get on there and ride that thing for what, everything it's worth. And I'm telling you right now that a life of faith says that no matter what the, what the obstacle looks like, no matter what the hill looks like, I'm going to get on it. I'm going to scream like a little girl having fun, praise the Lord, and enjoying this thing all the way to the end. Why? Because I know who my God is. Now, see, if you got on that roller coaster and they told you as you were getting on, now listen, you're probably going to die. You wouldn't enjoy it near that much. But see, you know that you're going to get to that place where it all smooths out. And so you look forward to that. And see, the obstacles in life to a person in faith become something more of a, 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 of a, a, of a, of a joy. I even said this when I was, and it translated not real well. But I was like, we could, we could thank the devil. We could thank the devil. Now, I don't mean, this is not, let's make it a habit of just starting to go, thank you, devil. Thank you, Satan. But if we came to the, the situation that's at hand, the thing that's before us, and we said to the devil when he presents the opposition to us, you do realize that you're just giving me opportunity here, right? Because, you know, the Bible says all things work together for the good to those who love God. And, you know, some of us probably should believe that at some point. And so if the devil is presenting us opportunity, if we look at it just right, we're like, all right, okay. You can do that. You can do that. But you do realize that you're going to make me stronger. And I'm just crazy enough to believe what the Bible says. I'm just crazy enough to believe what the Lord said. And that if you're going to bring me opposition, that's fine. I'm going to feel it. I might feel it for a little while. It might be rough terrain. But you know something? I'm getting to where I'm going. Because you're not in charge of where this flight goes. You're not in charge of how high this plane flies. You're not in charge of the direction we go. You may bring opposition, but you don't, you, you're not in charge of all that. Praise the Lord. See, when you start speaking to the devil that way, the Bible says to resist the devil and he will flee. That's resisting the devil. That's looking at him saying, well, if you're going to present me with me, if you're going to present me with this, that's fine. You know, I had a situation, and the devil was bringing some things during this trip. He brought many things against us. We'll just say that. But there's one thing. There was, some there was some attack in my body by the time I got to Spain. And by this point, I had, I had been with somebody of faith just long enough and had seen God move just enough that I started having something stirring on the inside of me just a little bit. And you know what I did? You know, sometimes when stuff happens, I start getting just like you, a little bit nervous. But I just, I, I spoke out. I was just bold enough to speak out, and I said, Devil, I see what you did here. You're going to pay for this. I said, you're going to pay for this. And I didn't let him off the hook. You're going to pay for this. Now, see, I could speak that boldly because at least in that moment, I, re I, I remembered something. I got the greater one living on the inside of me. He who's on the inside of me has already defeated the one who's attacking me. And so he can bring something against me, but I'm going to rise above it and I'm going to push through it because my Jesus said, have faith in God. And that's exactly what I've determined to do. So brothers and sisters, as we leave here tonight, I want to encourage you on a lot of things, not the least of which is to hunger and thirst for God with the realization that the only way to be filled, was, which is what he's promised he would do, is to rid yourself of you. Yeah. Start letting yourself go. 
Start letting him chisel that away. And if there's something you're holding on to, you know, just, just put it before him and say, Lord, I, I'm going to allow you to work this out.